Hey, legends, you know, none of our interviews or episodes ever date, ever. They are all timeless and ready for you for when you're ready to listen. Download the lot and rip in. This episode is brought to you by our wonderful sponsors at Griffin Air Conditioning. Griffin Air Conditioning offers the highest quality of air conditioning sales and service across the Sydney metropolitan area, providing installation and maintenance to commercial, domestic and industrial customers. Working with this team, you'll be guaranteed the latest services, technology and developments in the industry, as well as dealing with some legendary blokes. Visit griffinair.com.au and tell them we sent you for a cool deal. That's griffinair.com.au. The great ones, they're different. They really are. Not better, just different. Sure, there's a physical power, a mental strength, a complex but resolute constitution too. There's a whole lot more than just the measurables. That's something else, that intangible. It separates us from them. Welcome to the Legend Series on Andy Raymond Unfiltered. I've heard some unflattering stories about this guy, never found one of them to be true. A cracking bloke, a mate, and one hell of a footballer that's had one hell of a journey. The truly great ones are often polarising, I get that. They aren't offended by our opinion though, they actually use it to fuel them. But who is Robbie Farrar? Robbie Farrar, yeah, um... Mate, just a kid from Campsie. Uh, grew up youngest of, of five kids, um, three older brothers and a and an elder sister. Uh, immigrant parents. It came over from Lebanon, and um, for my parents, it was always about education. Um, sport was never something um, we took seriously. It was always, uh, you know, we used to play footy, you know, on the street with my brothers or you know, cricket in the driveway. But in terms of a career in footy, it was. Um, it was almost just um, crazy to even think about that. So yeah, dad was big on education and pushed us pushed us towards that. And um, yeah, as I said, mate, I was, I was just a little Lebanese kid from from Campsie. I grew up dreaming about playing in the NRL. Um, never never imagined it happen. Uh, grew up you know, watching State of Origin and watching my heroes on TV. And um, yeah, it was all it was always just a dream. So still got to pinch myself to this day that I, that I got to live out my dream, but. Um, yeah, who is Robbie Farrar, mate? Just, um, just a just a little Lebanese boy from Kempsey. Just a battler. Um, yeah. You mentioned the three brothers and a sister. Brother Eddie's been a mainstay on the footy scene for decades at the Rabbitohs. I'm suggesting a rugby league crazy family because it seems more than coincidence. Yeah, we were growing up. Um, as I said, we grew up in Kempsey and um, we were neighbouring Belmore. Literally, Belmore Sports Ground was. Uh, about 200 metres from from my dad's place. So uh, every Sunday we'd go down to Belmore. Back then it was you know, all three grades, President's Cup, reserve grade, first grade. So you'd get there nice and early. You'd kick the footy on the hill. Um, you'd watch all three grades. And my two, my two oldest brothers were Parramatta fans because back in the 80s when they were young, Parramatta played out of Belmore Sports Ground for yeah. a couple of years. Uh, so they, they supported Para. And then myself and Eddie grew up as Bulldogs fans. And, mate, they used to be fights in the house, rivalries. My parents used to have to break us up all the time. Um, and as I said, mate, we'd, we'd play on the street 
till the sun went down. Um, uh, you know, so we, we loved our footy, but to even think that, um, you know, one of us could to grow up to, to actually make it a, a career um, was just unfathomable. Um, you know, they, my mum, older brothers never played weekend sport. Uh, it was always just, you know, as I said, education. You, you'd play with your mates in the in the park or in the street, but um, and we'd watch it on TV. So yeah, we were pretty upset. We're, we're obsessed with all sports, to be honest, mate. Whether it was cricket in the summer, um, you know, tennis, you know, footy, soccer. Uh, yeah, we're just pretty active boys, and we loved our sport. Born in 1984, so it was an era where soccer was very much the go-to sport for a young immigrant boy. Yeah, well. I used to play a bit of soccer, um, but funnily enough, my, the, my dream was to grow up and be a tennis player. My first, the first sport, yeah. I remember, um, I remember staying up late at night with my mum watching Wimbledon um, and and all the the Grand Slams, and I loved tennis. Boris Becker was my my favourite player, and uh, as a young kid, I think from the age of about six or seven, I, I started getting um, tennis lessons. Used to get coach coaching you know, on the weekends, and I loved my tennis. Um, obviously used to play, you know, some other sports, as I said, socially. Uh, but then it wasn't until I was nine years old, I think, and one of my best mates from school, and he said, mate, you know, we're, we're short for numbers for our for our local footy team. Uh, you're keen to come have a run around on the weekend. And that was Enfield Federals. Um, so I went down. I was, I was nine years of age. Um, and obviously you start playing in a team sport with all your mates on the weekend and, I sort of drifted away from the tennis and, and more into the team sport environment. So um, loved my footy, loved cricket. I played I played cricket, played rep cricket up until around 16. I played Green Shield for, for Petersham as well um, and loved, loved my footy. So, um, it's, yeah, soccer, you mentioned soccer. I used to play for fun, as I said, but it wasn't something that um, I took up on the weekends. You mentioned the Enfield Federals in the Canterbury district. What did you – Junior footy looked like, mate, and how did you end up in the Tigers system? Yeah, I um, as I said, I started at um, nine years of age. I still got my first jersey. Actually, I was going through uh, my old my old stuff through my dad's place when, after I retired. I found my first Enfield Feds jersey with number wow. three on the back. So I, I started in the centres. I, I used to have a bit of pace about me, and then then I slowly moved in 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 uh, yeah, inwards. So I went to five eight, then half back, um, and then eventually finished up at hooker around the age of, I think it was about 14 or 15, but um, I was at the feds um, and then they folded. They were in the Canterbury comp. They folded when I was around the age of 12. Um, the only other local team in our area was St. John's Lakemba, who were like our biggest rivals and we absolutely hated them. So we didn't want to go play for them. Uh, and then our coach at the time, because uh, dad worked, dad was a taxi driver and he used to um, – he used to do the 3 a.m. to 3 p.m. shift and he'd come straight home, have his dinner and go to sleep. So he wasn't there to, to take me to, to and from training and pick me up. So uh, if I was, I was lucky to have a trainer that um, would pick me up every every day to go to training and, and take me home. And um, so we'd all we'd all jump in the back of his van and, and he'd, you know, take, take us all to training. And um, so at the time when the feds folded, we didn't want to go to St. John's Lakemba and – uh, our coach suggested we go over to Leichhardt Wanderers. So uh, 12 years of age, ended up in the Balmain comp at, at Leichhardt Wanderers and uh, the rest is history. So, yeah, went through the Balmain system and, and grew up to be a Tiger. You mentioned halfback in 
2002, you were selected to play for Lebanon against France, uh, play in the seven jersey too, and to play alongside Hazamel Mazrif, who for a lot of Lebanese kids was the man, and you were just 18 years of age. Yeah, he was the man. Um, and, you know, that really made my career, to be honest. Uh, you know, I was I was never really the best player growing up. I was, um, you know, off, coming off the bench at times and I was never really the star in my team. I never made any of the rep sides. Um, like I made SG Ball and Harold Matz and stuff, but I never made any of the 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 state sides or Australian schoolboys or anything like that. Um, I was 2002, like you said, Lebanon had um, had trials, uh, but I couldn't make it because we had a West Tigers Cubs tour over in New Zealand. So I was actually away with the West Tigers when Lebanon were having their tryouts to make this this team and. We were playing France over in, in Tripoli. It was, it was going to be the first ever game in Lebanon. Um, I was a pretty determined kid, so I made a highlights tape. I sent it to the coach, Johnny Elias, um, and 18-year-old kid. He'd never, never seen me play um, live in person, just saw me off a, off a videotape, um, and he picked me. He picked me to, to play, and everyone thought he was mad. I, I still remember uh, there was um, a bit of backlash saying, mate, you can't take this kid over. Um, with you to Lebanon, and he, he just saw something in me. I don't know what he saw, but he saw something in me. He had he had faith in me that um, I could do the job for him, and um, he took me over to. I end up being the starting halfback, as you said. Uh, Hazamel Mazri was our captain, and I was just in awe. You know, I was just this young kid. I just um, finished playing SG ball, and I was overseas uh, in camp, about to play a, an international against France. And, and at the time, France were the I think the fourth ranked mm. nation in the world. They were they were a powerhouse in in rugby league. And uh, we went over there. Um, we ended up, you know, I scored the first try of the match. We ended up winning thirty six to six. Uh, it was unbelievable experience. Uh, my best mates to this day are still guys that I met on that tour. Uh, my my passion for Lebanon rugby league was born out of that that tour, and I'm forever grateful for that opportunity because. Um, that that made me the player I am today. I came back from that tour such a better player. Um, I, I was playing against grown men. I came back to play um, in our Jersey flag um, competition here, and we. I, I still remember. And, and Sheenzy had just signed as a Tigers coach in two thousand three. And you know, timing timing is a funny thing. Um, I'd come back from the Leb game in two thousand two, end of two thousand two. I played in the World Sevens for Lebanon at the start of two thousand three. And again, we're playing. We played the Cowboys, and we played Parramatta. Um, Parramatta ended up winning the the sevens that year, and then I went back to play Jersey Flag. And our first trial for Jersey Flag was against the Roosters at Leichhardt, and Sheenzy had just come to the club. Him and Royce Simmons, and they were there that day. By halftime, I'd scored three tries. It was a trial match. I'd scored three tries, um, set up a couple others. So the coach said, "Mate, go have an early shower." Um, was having a shower at halftime and I remember Sheenzy walked into the change room and he just like just said mate well played today and obviously I made a good first impression um, and then from there you know, I think I made my debut a couple months later yeah it was it was round 13 of that year hello legends I hope you're enjoying this edition of Andy Raymond Unfiltered would you like to be part of our team our sponsorship packages are ready to go From scripted ads to website placement and social media promotions, personal appearances, voice recordings and more, the opportunities are limited only by your imagination. You send
set the terms. Unfiltered is reaching hundreds of thousands of potential clients every single week, and we cater to businesses both big and small. We'll work with you to guarantee you get exactly what you want, how you want, and when you want. If you're interested, go to our website and hit the sponsorship tab at andyraymondunfiltered.com.au. Now back to the interview. For the West Tigers, against Manly at, where else, Leichhardt Oval. What stands out from the day? Oh, probably stands out from the week, to be honest. It's a crazy week. I, I remember, as I said, Flegg Fleg back then was an eight-game um, eight season. Yep. Um, I finished Jersey Flegg. Um, played on the Sunday and made my Premier League debut against the Dragons at Cogra on the Sunday. And then on the Wednesday night, we had to play a, a catch-up game for, for Premier League against West, Balmain versus West at, at Leichhardt on Wednesday night. I played 5-8. And then... Um, on the Thursday, Sheenzy called me in a training and he said, oh, mate, we've got to get your contract sorted. Because I was on, mate, I was on a $1,000 contract at uh, playing Jersey Flag, dead set, $1,000 contract. And uh, he said, mate, we've got to get your contract sorted, uh, blah, blah, blah. They offered me um, like an NRL contract, for, which back then minimum wage was, uh, I think, $36,000. Um, I signed that on the Friday, two-year contract. I uh, signed that on the Friday, which I was over the moon with, obviously, mm. 19-year-old kid, my first full-time contract. And then on the Saturday, I got called in the captain's run and um, Robbie Mears was at the hooker on the bench um, and he was in doubt with an injury and, and Sheens just said, mate, I'm, I'm thinking about you know, playing you tomorrow. He said, but you can't wear those white boots. <laughs> so uh, so I used to wear these white boots and back back then, mate, they were unheard of. Yeah. Everyone just had the, the plain black boots. You know, I was, I was a bit of a, a Larry kid, um, had these flashy white boots and he said, mate, you can't wear those boots tomorrow. Um, I said, mate, I'll wear whatever you bloody want. So um, he ga- gave me the nod, um, told me I was playing. I remember calling my brother because as a kid, as I said, I used to tell my brothers that I, I dreamed about growing up to play footy and, and my brothers would laugh at me. It was one brother in particular. He was always the school of tough love and he'd make fun of me and joke about it. And I was a t- determined kid and, and I bet him, I said, mate, my goal was to play NRL as a teenager before the age of 20. So I bet him a 1000 bucks. And I remember I used to write it on my my dashboard in my car and you know on the mirror in my in my bathroom and um, and then when I found out I was playing first person I called was my brother and I said mate you better get to the fucking bank you owe me a thousand bucks and he, he said and he just I still remember his reaction was fuck off like, he just couldn't believe it just couldn't believe it I said mate I said dead set I'm playing tomorrow and um, yeah mate then I remember the nerves just going out there I came off the bench with about I think twelve minutes before half time. Um, had a had a bit of a, a scoop from dummy half and almost kicked a 40 20 in the in the corner there at Leichhardt, you know, 30 seconds after being on the field. And um and then yeah, and then I remember coming in at half time with a massive stitch. It was just the speed of the game. The yeah. speed of the game was just unbelievable. It was, it was like nothing I'd ever ex- ever experienced. And yeah, we lost that day, but I remember um celebrating that night, you know, that as I said, just to play one game was it was a dream. So um had a good night afterwards. Three games in seven days, $1,000 off your brother and a $35,000 pay rise on debut week. Life changes, doesn't it? Yeah, it does, you know. And back then, like, doesn't sound like much now, but but back then it's it's huge, you know. As I said, for, for a young kid. Um, 
and and look in in hindsight look I'm, I'm quite fortunate that I, I went on to play such a such a long career and, and achieve the things I did but um, anyone that gets to play one game of NRL is an achievement um, and for me that was the biggest thing you know, ever if, if I never played another game after that you know I would have been content I, would, I wouldn't be content now knowing what I've achieved but at the time if you told me you'll just get this one game and that's it um, well you take it you know because not many people are fortunate fortunate enough to even get the, get that one game from a bulldogs fan and a bulldogs junior that lived up the road from Belmore where did the passion the overriding passion for the tigers and for Leichhardt Oval begin was it debut day and and experiencing the eighth wonder of the world um probably no just grew mate um as i said i started at wanderers at the age of 12 um all my mates were around um that area so I started congregating towards that area more and more. Um, played two grand finals at Leichhardt Oval as well mm. um, in my in my lower lower grades. We lost both of those, unfortunately. Um, and then and then just because you're in the area, mate, you you start to dream about you know, yep. growing up. Play for the Tigers, you meet their players. You know, the players come out to training and they become your heroes. And I, I still supported the dogs. Um, and it's it's funny how you sort of your state of mind changes. I supported the dogs, like watching them on TV. But as a kid, because I played in the Balmain area, I just I wanted to be a tiger. And um, I actually, not many people would would know this, but I think I don't know if it was Fleg or uh, sorry, Ball or Mats. I actually made the Roosters squad as well. I, me and my mate went and tried out for the Roosters and for the Tigers because you're never sure. You're like you might not make the Tigers, so you always. You try you trial for as many teams as you can. And I made both squads and um, we were training out at ES Marks over in Moore Park there and, and I was training with Balmain as well and I was sort of going through both squads trying to figure out which one I wanted to to stay with. And and my mate, he stayed with the Roosters and and I was like, no, nah, no, nah, you know, I'm a Tiger, I'll, I'll stay with the Tigers. And um, I could have, if, if I'd followed my mate, I would have ended up at the Roosters at that stage, but... Yeah, it was just it was just a dream. Make like as soon as I started playing for the Wanderers, playing at a Leichhardt Oval, being around that area, um, and then and then Terry Lamb became the coach of um, the Tigers early on, and Terry Lamb was my idol. Even like growing up as a kid, everyone says, "Oh, who's your football idol?" And even to this day, it was always Terry Lamb. Like I remember being at his last game at at Belmore Sports Ground against the Cowboys, and I. To this day, I still got the ticket stub from that game, and I laminated it, and I've kept it because oh, that's how much I love Terry Lamb. Yeah. Um, and then he became the coach of the Tigers, which for me was like, oh, my, like my heroes coaching the Tigers. I want to play for the Tigers. Gee, you could have been a rooster. There's a, uh, a sliding door moment. Hmm. Four matches that year, three the following year, I think it was a knee reconstruction grounded you. You were so close but I bet it felt so far. You know, your dreams shattered after seven games. Yeah, it was. Um, 03, I, I played four games and I did an ankle syndesmosis. I was in a boot for four months, um, came back in 04, played three games, uh, knee reconstruction, and I was coming off contract. Um, as I said, I'd signed that contract in uh, 2003. Mm. So it was uh, two years was up after that. And the uncertainty, like, you know, um, you know, like, yeah, am I going to come back from this? Am I going to be as good? One more injury, I'm gone. Um, 
But again, in hindsight, it was probably the best thing that happened to me because uh, whilst I was always a talented kid, I probably relied on that talent a bit too much. Um, and the knee injury made me made me work hard. Um, it made me understand that I needed to bust my ass to get back. I um I gave up the grog, and as a like as a nineteen year old kid, twenty year old kid, I um that's tough. Like your mates are going out on weekends, drinking, partying, chasing girls, and I was just like, nah. I know this is this is like the line in the sand moment for me. If I don't come back from this, I'm gone. So my re uh, my whole life revolved around my rehab, and I I came back um, just such a stronger, like phys- in physically better condition, but also mentally better condition. Um, I understood what it took to be a, a first grade player. I remember that that year I was in rehab. Um, Michael Butner was at at the Tigers as well towards the end of his career and he was he was busted up too and it was me and him in, in the rehab training every day and we just go in there and, and he sort of started to drip feed me, you know, what it took, you know, day in, day out to be an NRL player um, and just my work ethic and my training ethic sort of trained um, and he taught me a lot of that at that time um, and then I came back, you know, start of 05 and uh, the rest is history, yeah, just went on, went on to... Um, play every game that year and um, everyone remembers what happens in 05. From rehabilitation to celebration, that year, the breakout, the breakthrough, the memories, Sunday the 2nd of October in front of 82,453 fans at Stadium Australia, grand final night. What stands out? Oh, far out. I remember crying for about two hours after the game. Um, I was just an emotional wreck. Um, it's some of the boys were were celebrating and and whatever, and it just all it all just hit me. Um, you know the hard work, as you said, the setbacks, the injuries, um, the people telling you you can never do it as a kid um, growing up. Um, it was just a dream, mate. Like I, you, you grew up watching grand finals on TV. I, I'd been at grand finals myself in the crowd, and I just had to pinch myself that that was me. You know, my family were there in the crowd, and. Um, I just remember, I remember the the whole week so clearly the whole the whole day. Um, I reckon we'll be the the last team ever to to sleep at home and drive ourselves to grand final day. We never got a team bus, never went into a hotel. Um, we were so young. We just wanted the, the same routine. We slept at Dean Hallitow's house the night before. Me, Dean, and Benji drove ourselves to the game. I, I remember having to go back a week after grand final to pick my car up from the car park at, at Stadium Australia because it was still there. I'd been drinking for a week after we won. <laughs> so I had to go back a week later to pick up my car. And um, it was just, yeah, just unbelievable, mate. I, I remember after 10 minutes, we were flat. Like we were we were so flat. I don't know whether the occasion got the better of us. Um, Cowboys scored first. And then we got fortunate with a try where Paul Bowman threw a pass in his in goal and Bryce Gibbs, who never scores tries in his life, um, grounded the ball. It was an unbelievable, like, it was It was a brilliant piece of skill by a front row to ground yeah. the ball, and that just got us going, you know, and then we, we got in our rhythm, obviously the Benji flick pass. Griffin Air Conditioning offers the highest quality of air conditioning sales and service across the Sydney metropolitan area, providing installation and maintenance to commercial, domestic and industrial customers. Working with this team, you'll be guaranteed the latest services, 
technology and developments in the industry. Visit griffinair.com.au and tell them we sent you for a cool deal. Um, the second game, the second half, um, we scored early. I think I, I put Lafranchi over for a try near the post, and then Princey just controlled the game. And unbelievable, mate! Best best night of my life. Still to this day, you know, I've got no kids. I, you know, I'm not married or anything like that. So, mate, still to this day, um, I still got to pinch myself, and it's it's the best night of my life. Forty-one meters out. Good tackle. That upended him. Put him on his back. Thurston, right foot kick down the ground into the end goal. Almost. Hodgson cuts it off. Hodgson taken by Norton. He took him late. Marshall skips away. Marshall skips away. Marshall's still going. Marshall's got Richards coming up outside. Now inside. Richards pursued. He pushes Johnson away. Pat Richards. Pat Richards has scored. A magnificent try. Linked to the field stuff. A 98-metre grand final try. Was that a flick pass from Marshall? At, at the end, yeah. Oh, stop it. I mean, who tries that? Who does that? Benji, he still mm. runs with that. He's never ever forgotten, and he never lets anyone else forget either. I don't. I don't think. Um, I don't think anyone will forget that moment, mate. For for him to um, to produce that sort of play in a grand final um, is just unheard of. Uh, but the thing was, we we practiced that, uh, you know, and and that's the way we were coached. That Sheenzy was so smart that year. Um, you know, he he never tried to. To think we were going to win games twelve eight or you know fourteen six or whatever it may be, he just said, "Mate, if the if the opposition is going to score thirty points, we'll score thirty two. Um, and and he knew we had points in us. Um, we you know we had myself and Benji who um, we'd, we'd love to play eyes up footy and we'd back ourselves. And we had you know Princey and Hodjo who were just so skillful. Todd Payton, all our forwards could pass a ball. Um, and we we just had a sit out. Everything and Sheen's just had one rule. He said, "You can do whatever you want in a game as long as you practice it." Uh, and and you come down to training and Benji be throwing flick passes. I'd be doing chip and chases. Um, you know, we'd be doing runarounds and trick plays, and that's the way we trained. Um, and that's why that that exuberance came out on the footy field, and we had the confidence to do that, do that on the footy field, and and we were allowed to do that on the footy field because it was practiced. Um, so credit credit to Sheenzy where. You know, he didn't try and shackle us or try and play, make us play a certain way. Uh, he let us, um, yeah, he, he just let us play that way and, and just be creative. And um, I think that brought out, brought out the best in us. Okay, we mentioned old Moneybags Marshall. For a period of about a decade, every year the story would come out, Farrah and Marshall are off. There's a fight at Tiger Town. They don't get on. Over the journey, any truth to any of it, or was it just more bullshit, either imagined or concocted to suit someone's agenda? Yeah, no, it was all bullshit, to be honest, mate. Um, you know, and it always seemed to come out when we'd lost, you know, four or five games in a row, yeah. and, and as things do, and when when you're not winning, people look for answers or excuses. Um, but look, we were both big personalities, um, and, and we still are, you know. But to this day, we're still the best of mates, um, and we had that connection on the field where, mate, if we hated each other that much, he wouldn't have brought out the best in me on the footy field, and I wouldn't have brought out the best in him. But, but we had this connection where we didn't have to, you know, call a play or whatever. he just knew what I was doing, and I knew what he was he was doing, and uh, he was so good for me on the footy field because. To have someone on the same wavelength as you is really hard to find. Um, 
And there were just times where we, we just clicked. Um, off the field, there's no doubt that there were times where we'd butt heads at training or we'd argue or he'd get the shits with me or I'd get the shits with him. But tell me a workplace where that doesn't happen. And mm. and that's, for me, that's, um, you know, that's healthy because to get better, you've got to be honest with each other at times. Um, and, I, and I find that's the problem these days with a lot of um, yeah, footy teams and, and the, the new generation these days is where sometimes you've got to tread on eggshells around each other because they can't take that criticism or they get upset if you um, you try and get up them. But, and they don't realise you're not being personal. It, it's all about trying to make you as a, a player and a person better and trying to make us as a group better. Um, and, and Benji and I always understood that, you know, we could have a go at each other and we'd get the shits with each other, but afterwards we'd be fine and we'd be mates again because we understood, Hey, I just want us to get better as a team and I want you to get better. And and we had that relationship. Other people from the outside looking in might've, and that's maybe where the rumor might've come from. If someone might've seen us had a blow up at training or whatever, oh, Robbie and Benji hate each other. No, we don't hate each other, but that, that's what, that's what, Good players do, and that's what that's what you do. You're striving for perfection. You're striving to get better every day, and uh, sometimes that spills over with emotion. But there's nothing wrong with that. Um, but yeah, to answer your question, uh, absolute absolute bullshit, um, and always seem to come out after we'd lost a few games. Tim Sheen's the best coach you played under, or not? And if not, who? Oh, definitely the smartest. Sheensy, um, and, and the influence he had on my career was. Uh, unbelievable. Him and him and Royce Simmons. Um, you know, everyone always asks me, you know, who's had the biggest influence on your career? Um, and Royce Simmons for me because uh, he was an ex-hooker and he he really took it upon himself to develop my game um, and the different skills of my game and my defence. Smart um, guy, Royce Simmons. Oh, uh, mate, so so smart. You know, and um, I'm forever grateful for um, the help he gave me. Um, yeah, whilst he was at the Tigers and, and even after he left the Tigers, mate, he'd always ring me up and, and check in on me and ring me up before every origin game. Um, Sheensy was the smartest coach I've ever played under. I've never met a footy brain like him. Um, I think he'd go to sleep, just dream about footy and he'd come to training the next day. He's like, oh, I thought about this play last night. We should do it on the weekend. And I was watching a, a game from the eighties on uh, last night. And I was like, what are you doing watching a game from the eighties, mate? Like, now put some normal TV on, but yeah. he, he just lives and breathes footy. Um, as I said, smartest coach, and we wouldn't have won 2005 without him uh, because, as, as for what I mentioned earlier, he he didn't try and make us adapt to the way he wanted to play. He adapted to the way he knew we could play and what would best suit us, and it was the best thing he could do. Um, so I'm forever grateful for Sheenzy. You know, I played for Australia under him as well. Um, all my coach, yeah, every coach you every coach you play under, um, yeah, has their strengths. Um, and you, 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 I look back now and like Madge, Madge now, Madge is the most caring coach I've ever played under. He genuinely cares about every player in his in his team. Um, cares about your life off the field. Cares about it on the field. Mate, Ricky Stewart, Ricky Stewart, I'd run through a brick wall for. Yeah. You know, Sticky is just that sort of person. He's just a mate. He's like a coach that's your mate and you just don't want to let him down. Uh, Loz is the same. I love playing under Loz um, in State of Origin as well. Um, just understood State of Origin um, to a T, you know, one of the best Origin players ever. Yeah. Um, 
So as a coach, he was unbelievable. And and you go th- go through them all. Matt, Anthony Seabold, he was a real honest coach, um, real technical. So they've all got their strengths. Um, and you take a little bit from from each one of them. Um, you know, I, I think myself one day, or maybe I might want to be a coach down the track. And what sort of coach would I be? And I think you learn off all the coaches you've been under, and you pick apart you know all the little strengths they've got, and you try and you know, mould it into the coach you want to be. But yeah, grateful that I played under some some you know really really good coaches at the Tigers at the time. Good times, good men, good mates, a group that had learnt from the previous custodians of the jersey, guys like Mark O'Neill, guys like Darren Centre. You had some funny bastards too, guys like Bryce Gibbs, the fourth, and Liam Fulton, having them around. Because you need all characters. It keeps it lively. Oh, mate. You know, if you, if you, came, if you came there with training um, down at Concord around that 2010, 2011 sort of era, mate, it was a basket case. Training was an absolute... Like, like training was great, but I mean, off the field at training, mate, there was all sorts of stuff happening. It was absolute madness, and we had Bo Ryan there at the time as well. Uh, Daniel Fitzhenry was was back at the club, and he was the pest. Uh, but Gibbo, Gibbo and Fultz, mate, they drive people mad. They drove Sheenzy mad uh, because he just thought they'd they'd end up hurting each other um, with some of the stunts they'd try to pull off. Uh, What's your best mate, Bryce Gibbs yarn? Oh, jeez. Um, well, mate, he used to drink six beers night before a game. He was my roomie. Um, yeah, he was my roomie on away trips, and he drinks six beers, and he was in career best form. And coach got the wind of it and other players, and they said, mate, you can't be drinking night before a game. So then we got to – I still remember we got to Canberra. We were playing the Raiders the next night, and he was in the hotel room, and I said, mate, I'm going to order you six beers. And I, I was a captain at the time. He said, no, no, no. He goes, mate, Shinzi got up me and um, and a few of the boys in that. I said, mate, I said – you keep playing the way you are. I said, I don't give a shit what you do night before a game. I said, order your six beers. And he goes, oh, you serious? I said, yeah, mate. I said, I'm the captain. I said, order your six beers. I said, it's fine. And mate, had his six beers, went out, played a blinder the next night. We hope you're enjoying this edition of Andy Raymond Unfiltered. The Legends series drops at the start of your working week. It's in-depth, personal, and highlights some of the game's finest from yesteryear. The weekly wodge drops in time for your weekend. It's full on and the hottest podcast on the market. Why listen to opinions when you can listen to interviews with the stars? And on every episode, you can hear up to a dozen different players and coaches, both past and present, giving their thoughts on the great game. It's fast-paced, full of footy and laughs. It's a must-listen. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast wherever you are listening. That way, you won't miss a thing. Every episode will drop immediately. Before you go, we'd love a five-star rating and review. It's not for ego, it's for business, as we look to expand the unfiltered brand and bring you more. Make sure you come back soon. Legends. Legends.